man. Um, Kevin, did you grab my phone? I had it, I thought I left it sitting up here. I usually use my phone to control the slides for my sermon. You didn't take it? Hang on a second. Um, uh, man, I, I was sitting, I was sitting back here earlier before the service. Actually, Jad, Annika, David, it was somewhere back there. Can you guys look under your seats real quick? No, I'm serious, guys. I, I'm looking for my phone. Is that back there? Wait, it was, might have been over here. And is it under your seat? No? Guys, um, can I, well, maybe I could call mine? Could I use your phone to call my phone? All right. You got my digits? Well, I'll just, I'll punch it in. How do I? Thanks, Trish. Well, that's my ringer. Oh, I this is my. Hey, I put it, normally I put it in my right pocket. I guess it was in my left. Trish, we found my phone. Yes, we did it. Thank you. That would have been terrible. Oh, man. This is not, it's not, phones aren't cheap. Man, I, my whole life is on this thing. You know how it goes, right? Whew. What would I have done, huh? What would I have done if I couldn't have found my phone? What could I have done, Silas? Gotten a new phone, but then I wouldn't have had a phone to control my slides, and I would have had to count on Shane in the back. Man, you know what it's like. Right? When you lose something, when you lose something that you, you care about, that's valuable to you, whether it be your phone, your keys, your wallet, you know what it's like, right? You do whatever you can. You, you panic. You, you pull out all the stops. You turn things upside down. You, you, you run. You turn on the lights. You go looking for it, right? Because you need it. God feels the same way about people. This is why Jesus came into the world to seek and to save particularly people who are lost. We heard in Luke chapter 15 today, beginning at verse 1, said this, Now the tax collectors... And the sinners were all drawing near to him. The tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to Jesus. Tax collectors and sinners were hanging out with Jesus, just waiting to hear from him. Tax collectors and sinners. You know who these people are? Tax collectors, they were lowlifes in this society. Nobody wanted to hang out with tax collectors. They were outcasts of the society. Nobody wanted to deal with them. Everybody hated the tax collectors. And sinners, well, that's just a nice catchphrase for all of those people who don't quite have life together. You know, all those people who have not made good life decisions. Those people who aren't, you know clean and put together or who aren't very good at at least pretending to have it together. 
You know, those people who are on the, the fringes of what many people would coin normal society? And the tax collectors and sinners wanted to hear from Jesus. So they gathered around him, and he talked to them. He taught them. He loved them. But verse 2 right away says this, But the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man, Jesus, receives sinners and eats with them? Pharisees and scribes are the religious leaders, the pastors, the people who are in charge of leading God's people in worship, who were doing their best to try to be faithful to God. And these religious leaders see this man, Jesus, hanging out with people on the fringes and they grumble. Because Jesus, by this point, has already somehow amassed quite a following. And they're thinking, who is this Jesus that he would hang out with these people? Tax collectors and sinners. There are tax collectors and sinners in this community. People who likely would not step foot in this church or any church for fear that the people in the church would shun them. And maybe their fear is right based on their own experiences when that exact thing has happened. From people who should not shy away from those who are outcasts, and yet instead of that, they shun them. There are people in this community, you know them, who are far from Jesus, who feel like they're far from Jesus, and who feel like they're far from people in this community. And yet those are the people that Jesus came for. Jesus went to them. He spoke to them. He did not shy away or shun. He went and spoke to them. And he speaks to them even today. Jesus comes for those who are far away, but the religious leaders grumbled at Jesus. So Jesus, as he was teaching these tax collectors and sinners, and the Pharisees and scribes start grumbling at him, Jesus turns his attention to these religious leaders, and he begins to speak to them in parables. If you don't know what a parable is, a parable is a story. It was a common way that Jesus went about his teaching. He would take a situation, and to demonstrate how it is that God works, he would tell a story. So parables are simple, pointed stories for the purpose of explaining how God works. And so in Luke 15, we have three parables, and they're all of the same vein. The first two sound very similar. One is about a shepherd who has a hundred sheep. Jesus says, if one goes missing, the shepherd will leave the 99 in pursuit of the one. Jesus tells a parable about a woman who has 10 coins and one goes missing. Each coin is worth a day's wage. And so when that one coin is missing, it's worth something. And so she does everything, turning her house upside down in search of that coin, rightly so. Jesus explains and says, this is what 
the Father in heaven does for his children who are lost. He stops at nothing in pursuit of them. And when one son or daughter of God repents and turns to him, the heavenly Father and the angels in heaven rejoice and celebrate and party for what was lost has been found. When important stuff goes missing, you go looking for it. You stop everything. I stop my sermon to go looking for a phone. <laughs> you do anything to find that lost stuff. And when it's missing, you panic. Your heart races. You understand? This is what Jesus does for people who are lost. He stops at nothing. He searches high and low he does not quit. This is why Jesus hangs out with tax collectors and sinners, not to validate their poor choices in life and encourage them to live that style of life. No, but he hangs out with them to lead them to repentance and turn to the Heavenly Father. This is a hard word for us today, but I ask you, what about you? What is your urgency for people who are lost? What kind of urgency do you feel in your heart and in your gut for people who are far from Jesus? And if you're curious what I mean by a lost person, I mean either someone who doesn't know Jesus at all, somebody who maybe even rejects Jesus, or just somebody who hasn't hung out with Jesus for a while and doesn't know his love. What is your urgency to find them and bring Jesus to them? Are you more like Jesus in choosing who you hang out with? Or are you more like the Pharisees and the scribes who judge the people on the fringes of society just wondering why, I wonder why they live out there instead of going to them. Do you have any sense of urgency for those who are far from Jesus? Unfortunately, I think more of us are concerned with finding our lost phones than we are with finding lost souls. The third parable Jesus tells today, it's one of my favorites. It's often called the parable of the prodigal son. And it goes like this. There's a dad. He's got two sons. The sons are growing up, and the younger son, after a lifetime of living at home in the safety of his father's house, has been tempted by worldly desires and the, and the sinful temptations of the flesh. He, he wants to go and see what's out there in the world. And so one day he goes to his father and he says, Dad, I would like to have my share of the inheritance. This is the money, the assets that would have been given to him at his dad's death, and rightly so. But he wants an advance on it. He wants it now. He can't wait till his dad is dead. He doesn't know when that'll come. He wants to go now. So when he says this to his dad, Dad, give me my inheritance, it's as though he's saying to his father, you're as good as dead to me. I don't really want you, Dad. I just want your stuff. Now, the father does not have to give it to him, but out of his love for his son, he gives it to him. 
The son takes the money and runs. You can imagine, it doesn't take long for the wanton desires of the flesh and the, 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 the needless and reckless living and pursuit of pleasure in all of its facets that this young man pursued. The money was gone, dried up, over, done, broke. He's in trouble now. What's he going to do? Well, not only is he in singular trouble, he's actually in double trouble at this point because it also says that there's a famine in the land. So even if the young man had money, he couldn't have bought any food because there wasn't any to be had. He is in so much trouble. He doesn't have any money and there's a famine. What's he going to do? Well, he does the only thing he can think of. He's just trying to survive. So he gets a gig being a pig-herding slave for a Gentile. (laughs) A pig-herding slave. Now, if you don't know, this is not good for a young Jewish man, which is what we assume that Jesus is explaining. Yeah, the man is in double trouble, but he is triple dishonored because here's the reality. For Jews, pigs were unclean. A Jew is not supposed to hang out with pigs. For second, a rich man is now a slave, and let alone a slave to a Gentile. This young man is at the proverbial bottom of the pit, the bottom of life. He's in double trouble. He's triple dishonored. There's no help in sight. If there's a bottom to life, he has found it. And the tax collectors and the sinners who are sitting there listening to Jesus resonate with this young man. For they've also been at the bottom of life. Who is this younger son in the parable of your life? And not in a pretend story, but in real life. Who is this young man? Maybe it's your own son your own daughter. Some of you have shared stories with me of your children that you raised, doing your best to raise them in the faith, give them a great solid foundation. You sent them off into the world and now they're far from Jesus, wandering around, squandering life, living recklessly and you've shared these stories with me and I've heard your hearts that break and ache for these, your children. Who is this young son? Is it, maybe it's you, right now or at some stage of life, where maybe through reckless living or just through the brokenness of this world, you hit the bottom and you ran out, you didn't didn't know where to go, who to turn to. Maybe you're sitting here today going, Pastor, that's me. I, I don't have it together. I don't know what to do. What is the option for you when you're there, when you're at the bottom, when you don't have it together? What options do you have? Home. Come home. Home. Come home. That young man is laying in the muck of the pigsty starving 
These words come into his ears. Home. Come home. He thinks, is that my dad's voice? <laughs> home. Come home. He looks Bill in the eyes. That's his favorite pig. <laughs> Bill, are you? You talking to me, Bill? They have conversations. It's the starvation. It's getting to him. He's, Bill, I don't know, man. I don't. One day the young man snaps too. He comes, he comes to his realization. He goes, I don't, I don't. Uh, my only option is go home. Go home. I'll go to my dad. I'll tell him, I'm so sorry, dad. I, I don't even deserve to be your son. Just make me like one of your servants. Whatever you've got for me is better than what I've got here. Right? Home. Come home. Home, come home. This young man, this young man starts heading home, right? He starts heading home, and you can only imagine how difficult it was for him to go home. You can only imagine how difficult it was for him to go home, how embarrassing it must have been for him to go home. He has nothing to show for his time away. He's squandered it all. He's got nothing but pure desperation and pig poop cake to the bottom of his feet to show for his time away. He's got nothing. And yet he starts heading home. Here's my favorite part of the story. As he's heading home, his dad sees him. His dad sees him. And where is the young man when his dad sees him? Here's what it says. While he was still a long way off. It's as though his dad has been sitting on the front porch day after day with binoculars. When's my son coming? And on this day, his son comes and he sees him. But not only does he see him, do you know what he does after that? He's got compassion for his son. This, is one of, this compassion is one of my favorite biblical words in the Greek language. It literally means to have your guts moved. Beyond words, beyond expression, the word compassion means to be moved to your bowels, right? He just feels compassion for his son. But not not only does he feel compassion for his son, what does it say he does? He ran to his son. He doesn't wait for his son to come to him. He runs to him. And when he gets there, his son is gross and disgusting. His clothes are ragged and worn. And what does the father do? He doesn't shun him. He doesn't shy away. He embraces him and he kisses him. And for this boy, this embrace and this kiss must have felt so much better than Bill's slobber all over his face. To be welcomed home by his father. And his dad puts his arm around the shoulder and the young boy tries to muster the words to his dad. Dad, I'm so sorry I don't deserve to be your son, but it's as though his dad can't even hear those words for he's already shouting orders to his servants saying, Get a ring, get a robe, get the calf, get the wine, get the party going for my son who was dead is alive. My son who was lost has been found. Let's party. Come on. And they do. They have a big party. And there in the corner is the older brother. 
Presumably, Jesus includes this older brother trying to align the Pharisees and the scribes with him. Because the older brother is, is jealous. He's mad. He's saying, come on. I've been here the whole time. My dad never threw me a party. But eventually the dad goes to his older son and he says, son, uh, you've been with me the whole time. Everything I have is yours. I've been giving you everything that you need in life. It's right for us to celebrate that my, my son, your brother who was lost, has been found. Come on, let's party. This is a message for the Pharisees. It's a hard word, right? This message to the Pharisees saying, come on, guys. Jesus is here to seek and to save the lost. It might mean he's going to filthy people on the fringes of society, but that's what he came for. That's who he came for. This message is also for us, for you. Don't be jealous when the Father throws a party for a sinner who was lost and comes home. Instead, be part of the search party and be part of the celebration party. Because we should understand we are all prodigal sons and daughters. We have all wandered, we've all squandered, we've all taken the Heavenly Father's riches and gifts and wasted them. And if you say you haven't, you're deceiving yourself and you're lying. But your heavenly Father calls out to you, come home. Come home, son. Come home, daughter. Come home. Come home. Jesus came into this world to seek and to save the lost. You, yes, you, prodigal sons and daughters, I encourage you not to be like that older brother, for there are many more lost people in this world. You know them. They are your friends, they are your family, they are your neighbors, they are your co-workers, they are the lost sheep and the lost coins and the lost son. It's time to turn up the urgency in your life and let your heart and your guts be moved for those who are far from Jesus. It's time to turn on the amber alert signs on the sides of the road saying, find my sons and daughters. To put phone notifications on your phone alerting you saying, pay attention, look for my lost sons and daughters. This is what Jesus is calling out to us, that we would be so moved with that Father's compassion, moved to our guts desperately and urgently seeking after those who are far from Jesus. Because unfortunately, I think some of us would be more distraught if we lost our phones, then we would be if a lost brother or sister died without knowing Jesus. But let's make it so that's not true. Let's live in the loving arms of our Father who day after day welcomes us home. Day after day calls out to you from the bottom of the pit. Day after day says, come home, son. Come home, daughter. Come home. For you were once lost, but now you have been found. Here is my inheritance for you. Here is my forgiveness for you. Here is my grace for you. Here is my everlasting life for you. Don't squander it. Instead, share it and go into this world with the compassionate word and whisper of the Father into the ears of those who need to hear, saying, come home, son. Come home, daughter. Let's party. In Jesus' name.